everybody. We're live. It's the Pastor Mike Trap Live podcast, and uh, I'm joined as always by my co-host Emily. Hello, Emily. Hello. Would you like to introduce our yes. special guests from around the region of the Des Moines yes. metropolitan area? Two special guests we have with us, Pastor Scott Rains from our Hope Ankeny campus. Hi, Scott. Hello. Great to be here. And Pastor Andy Hermanson from Hope Grimes. Hi, nice Andy. Nice to see you guys. It it's is fun not, to have you. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's one of the. That's going to be one of the, my favorite things about this. I can tell already is we're just going to keep rotating and yeah. moving people in and out. And there's so, enough going on around here. You don't always get to talk to everybody as much as you want to, for sure. Yeah, it's that's fun. exactly right. And we've got a lot of really, really gifted and brilliant pastors like the two of you. Mm-hmm. And it's always good, I think, for for the depth of our faith to hear from a breadth of different teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a really positive thing. So. Welcome to all of you, too, uh, who are our faithful uh, tuners, inners, uh, people who are watching uh, either vi- on video audio feeds or on your favorite podcast platform, if you're listening. Um, we're really honored that you spend this time with us. And uh, even if you're catching up on this later and not watching it live, we're, we're glad to um, have this opportunity to talk about God's Word Together with you, because as a church, we're uh, in, we're engaging in a year that's just been woo, yeah, man, it's yeah. been great already so far. Uh, called the whole Holy Bible in a year, and so we're reading through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and we have a New Testament track. We're going to zoom in on those New Testament chapters that we've read on our reading this week. That's Matthew chapter eight, verse uh, Matthew chapter eight through chapter fourteen. So with that. Are you guys ready? Yeah, let's you guys go. Ready? Emily, are you ready? Yeah. Let's, let's go. Let's let, you got some questions? I sure do. The, Here we the, go. Uh, hey, why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Okay, first question. What stood out for you or surprised you this week as you read Matthew 8 through 14? I have things. Well, let's start with you then. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> Emily's ready to roll. <laughs> and then we'll get to you too. Yeah. What surprised uh, you, Emily? Yeah, well... There's just so much in here. Like, there's so many crazy stories. And we always say, like, you can't make this stuff up. It's already in the Bible. You don't need to. And so one of my favorite crazy things is Jesus sending demons out of people into a herd of pigs that then fall off a cliff and drown. Like, you can't. You could tell someone who hadn't read the Bible, like, oh, did you know that's in there? And they'd be like, you're making that up. Like, you did not. Uh, but it's there. Which, which um, actually has the validity of the biblical accounts, because if you're making it up, you wouldn't make it up like that. Uh-huh. There's several places along the way where you have to kind of recognize that, mm-hmm. right? And, and the people of that region are upset. I mean, yeah. that's, that's mm-hmm. a major economic right. sure. calamity. Yes. Yeah. Sure. They, don't, they don't want Jesus around right. at that part in the story. There's going to be another part in the story uh-huh. where he comes back to that region and they welcome him. It's like, what? Uh-huh. What changed in between these two? Uh-huh. And a lot changed. You're taking our bacon. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> oh, so wow. I, I was always, I grew up on a farm, and so these sorts of farm stories always are like, what? Huh. I want to make sense of something that doesn't make So I was digging into it, and uh, that that part of the lake where that happens is the Gentile side of the lake uh-huh. where they eat pork. Uh-huh. And mm. and it's the side of the lake that the disciples are like, we shouldn't go to that side of the lake. But Jesus has always taken them across to that side of the lake. I even found, uh, uh, I think, a pretty good source that says the Roman legion that was operating on that particular place, they had a, a pig on their flag as they would march into battle. And so Jesus is like... Mm. Uh, I got a gift for you. I, I, he he's saying something really important and powerful is yeah. what I would say. There's so many layers to everything that yeah. we're reading in the Gospel of Matthew as he connects the dots. And as as I mentioned in my opening sermon on this this book of the Bible, not only is he connecting the dots, but he does it because he's a tax collector. That's the kind of person who's going to do that sort of thing. Is going to balance the ledger and make sure it's all coming together. Specifically, he's also connecting dots between Old and New Testament, which is jumping out. Mm-hmm. Emily, I feel like you had more to say there, though. Did, did we? Did we well, what else is other, standing out for you? Yeah, the other thing is just throughout all of these mm-hmm. stories, multiple times Jesus says, or it says about Jesus that he knew their thoughts, mm-hmm. and uh, or there were times where they're coming after him, and he he knew that and would move. And it just strikes me as, you know, that can freak people out. Yeah. But there's also just a reality to like, no one knows you better. Right. And you can try to right. think you're fooling, <laughs> but God knows you. And there's just a beauty in like knowing you are seen 
and uh, that that's true for us too. This is a really good insight. And this is another example of why it's important for us to do this together, not mm-hmm. just read the Bible as individuals, but to do that together. I don't know that I would have thought about it like that until you mm-hmm. brought it up like that. Mm-hmm. Jesus knows our thoughts. And you, you mentioned it. He said it's kind of intimidating. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of overwhelming. But at the same time, underneath that, on the deepest level, it's incredibly comforting because here's the best part. He knows us, yet he still chooses to love us. Yeah. He's, he, he, we don't have, and we don't have to fake it. We don't have to hide exactly. who we really are and, and what we're really all about. God loves us through Jesus Christ anyway. It doesn't mean he wants to leave us alone mm-hmm. and just keep being, you know, uh, people who are messing around with darkness or, or whatever it might be. He wants to bring us into the light from that darkness. But he loves us nonetheless. That's grace. And that's going to continue to come through as we read through the Gospels. I, I think of a loving parent, if a child is hurting or confused or whatever, and runs to their parent looking for comfort, and they're like, the parent says, what's going on? And the yeah. kid's trying to explain it. They're not really doing a good job. But th- often the parent will just say, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> like, the, mm-hmm. there's something very comforting about someone knowing Yeah. And in all of these stories, on. Jesus is gentle. Yeah. And he's for people and yeah. the stories where it even says like he tries to <clears throat> retreat and be where people aren't, but crowds followed him. And so he went and he healed and he was with them. Like he is ultimately for you, regardless of anything you think. Yeah, there's the, you know, things are getting pretty tense. And then Jesus all of a sudden, it's almost like he hits the pause button. He says, come to me, all you who are weary mm-hmm. and heavy burden in yeah. our reading this yeah. week, mm-hmm. you know, in Matthew, it, right in the middle of these chapters, eight to 14, where it's like, holy smokes, this is getting intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, let me remind you mm-hmm. underneath it all, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, I'll give you rest. Yeah. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. You're not going to get this anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Powerful. What stood yeah. out for, for you, Scott? Yeah, like Emily said, there's so much. Uh, I, I'm doing, or at least trying. I mean, we're two weeks in. I'm so far so <laughs> You're doing good, good so far. Uh, good You're keeping do... up on the readings, Pastor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Both good. the Old Testament and the New Testament nice. track. And so the Old Testament through Genesis is all about this family that will become the nation of Israel. Fascinating things happening there. But then... <laughs> As you're reading that alongside what we're reading in Matthew, Jesus has some really interesting, surprising, surprising things to say uh, about family relationships. Um, I've come to put a a brother against a brother, or uh, your enemies will be in your own household. uh, the, his parents or his family's there looking for him one time. Mm-hmm. He says, who's my mother? Who are mm-hmm. my brothers? Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and my brothers. And and so he's he's redefining uh, things, I think, but also asking us to do some really uh, important work. Who who are the people closest to us? How, how do those relationships work? It, the patterns of relating in Genesis, <laughs> they don't tell us whether they are good or bad. But I think they it, do put the fun in dysfunction yeah, sometimes, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't come right out and say what happened. Like, I w- anyway. So, but it, it forces you to think and to wrestle with God on how am I supposed to be making sense of this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Underneath that, what is Jesus getting at when he says brother will be against brother, parent against child? What what, what he, point is Jesus making? For, yeah, so Scott, somebody's tuning in and listening. <laughs> so somebody's tuning in and listening, saying. I read that, and that really—that's one of the places you know. Scripture afflicts the comfortable; doesn't just comfort uh-huh. the afflicted. Right. So that's a pretty afflicting text, yep. uh, words from Jesus. But we also know Jesus isn't going to say it unless it there, there's a point and, and there's a benefit underneath it. What is that? I don't know, but this is where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uses the word Jesus uses the word enemy quite a bit through this mm-hmm. section of mm-hmm. Matthew. Yeah. Uh, your enemy will be in your own house, he says in that one. But then when he's talking uh, with the religious leaders about what's the devil up to, he refers to the devil as the enemy. Mm-hmm. And uh, early, last week's readings, he says, what are we supposed to do with our enemies? Love our enemies. So the, there's an enemy that, that Jesus wants us to be aware of so that we can grow in love. It is my sense. love of God and love of neighbor. I like that. I also wonder, as I read it this time, the thing that struck me was, here's Jesus talking, uh, and we'll get into this a little deeper as we go, but the conflict that's growing between him and the religious establishment. Well, that's the family that we're reading about in the back half of Genesis this week. 
um, that, you know, you say Pastor Andy is dysfunctional for sure. <laughs> it struck me that Isaac is picking up on the sins of the father by saying, well, my wife's my sister too, just like dad used to say. You know, it, you, you, it's just crazy dysfunctional. But that's family. And I wonder if Jesus isn't coming along to say, well, it's not like the Pharisees aren't family. It's, it's not like the teachers of religious law aren't family. We're all descendants of Abraham and Sarah, at least at this point. And he's saying more important than us just agreeing with each other because we're descendants of Abraham and Sarah, uh, we're God's chosen nation. There's something more important. Jesus is saying, I need you to understand your relationship with me is even more important than you rela- your important relationships yeah. with brothers, sisters, moms, dads, kids, uh, family members. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think so. Yeah. And, and unless you can prioritize it that way, you... I think you're going to be going through life not living in a reality. So, um, God first, you mean? Yeah, yeah. You, no. you, you'll be. Uh, we'll we'll get to this in a little bit too, I think. But Jesus spends a lot of time talking about the opening the eyes of the blind, yeah. and yeah. I uh, he calls the Pharisees blind blind guides at, at one point. So uh, there, there's something about making sure that priority is the way Jesus wants it to be that frees us up to live and experience the fullness of life that he wants for us. Mm, Fantastic. Yeah, go ahead. There's surprises all over the place. We've kind of touched on uh, a couple of them, but I think to tie it together, I just, I mean, number one, reading it, how surprising, again, how refreshing God's Word is. Mm. Uh, I think also how humbling God's Word is. Just even even as a guy who now has a master's degree in these texts, like there's still it's surprising to me how much we either forget or just there, there's just always going to be opportunity to learn, always mm-hmm. opportunity uh, to grow. And I was really struck, especially as an Enneagram nine, which is like a peacemaker, like right. And it's easy for me to gravitate towards a lot of the easier stuff. Like it is jarring to me again how comfortable Jesus is uh, with tension in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is. He's, he's come on a mission. He's very clear about what that mission is, and he's going to move right right at it, whether it's saying some of the hot takes, right, that you're just talking about, or uh, just some of the ways he stands up to authority and power and yeah. wants to advocate for people. Yeah. So yeah. so good. It's He's comfortable in, in rooms that are tense, and I think he is for the sake of truth, that he yeah. he knows he has something to share that is not going to conform to the world. Right. Right. Such a good insight, Pastor Andy. I was talking to Pastor Richard uh, after our staff meeting yesterday, and he was saying, this This is just fascinating to me. He's saying, well, you know, I've read this text so many times, studied it so many times, and Pastor Richard, if you don't know, yeah. if you're new to this podcast, is brilliant, nosebleed high IQ. Um, he's not the only one, or, you know, who is, but he's just, he's, he's as deep as it gets. Uh, and he said, this time, instead of reading, I'm listening. I'm listening to the audios that were provided, which is an incredible resource, by the way. It, that has it been is so cool. To well, the Bible to. ultimately, before it was written, was oral right. tradition. Right. You know, it was handed down verbally, uh, generation to generation. These scriptures, these stories, and people would memorize them in ways we don't memorize now. And so it it was definitely um, you know authentic, but. He's listening. And then I talked to Chris Canary, our operations minister, and he said the opposite. He said, this time I'm reading Mm. instead of listening because I really want to get into the text. So whoever you are, however you're doing it, I I don't think there's just one way to peel this orange. Um, The the good thing is... I'm doing both simultaneously. (laughs) I'm listening to it and reading it. I need extra help to stay focused. In in the original languages, (laughs) right? right? Yeah, Yeah. the Hebrew and the Greek. That's Uh good. Uh, what stood out for me is just that Jesus is full of surprises as we read through these chap- these seven chapters, Matthew 8 to 14. And you see, you see how surprising he is to the people on the mm-hmm. ground in, in the moments that it's happening because they respond to him basically just to, to generalize it but to make the point in one of three ways in these chapters. After Jesus does a miracle or heals somebody or says something that's kind of right on yeah. the edge, people are either amazed Yeah. They're angry to the point of wanting to kill him, uh, or they're afraid. Like, hey, we realize you're God, you know, in the flesh. We realize you're quite something, and we're a little intimidated. Not a little. We're a lot intimidated by that. You need to leave now. Mm -hmm. That tells us that Jesus is showing up as a Messiah who, remember, Matthew's connecting the dots. He's coming as the one who's there to fulfill all the prophecies about who this anointed Messiah would be from God. 
and then some. And, and so he's like kicking it up more notches. And that's just coming out in big, powerful ways. He comes to fulfill all those prophecies, but he's also coming. The expectation is he'll come as this Messiah will come as a new King David. Right. He's going to restore our nation. He's going to restore that family we're reading about in Abraham and all of their countless descendants. He's going to restore that chosen nation. He is. He's going to do so much more. Because when he shows up, he doesn't say, behold, the kingdom of Israel is at hand and I'm the new king. He says, behold, the kingdom of heaven, eternal kingdom, something way bigger, way deeper, way broader, uh, way more important for us. So he's, he's, Matthew's masterfully, artfully connecting all those dots, but then also hinting over and over again, he's way more than you think. Yeah. He's, he, do not underestimate this he's so much more than David, and and Jesus even kind of just gently, humbly says that at several points along the way. You think that's good? Watch this, or or listen to this, and see what I have to say here. Um, and then the last thing that really that there's 52 more things, but the last thing I'll mention here that was really a big surprise and what jumped off the page for me in reading these chapters was, and I think this is so refreshing. Jesus has zero interest in networking with the movers and shakers <laughs> in his world. Yeah. He, look who he picks to follow him. Fishermen, uh, blue collar, uh, you know, reputation for being ornery cusses, a tax collector, an enemy of, of most of God's people, uh, a reputation for being thieves. <clears throat> um, look who he doesn't seem to really have any concerns like, well, you know, I got to be nice to you or I have to conform. I have to make sure I fit in with what you're doing because you guys have all the power because Jesus knows that whole worldly power thing is really overrated. Yeah. Um, that whole like living your whole life just to be in the in crowd. Jesus is turning that completely right side up. What's in is out. What's out is in. Mm-hmm. Follow me going to rock your world. And that really encourages me too, because Emily, you were talking about, right, how he knows everything, Mm -hmm. right? Mike, you just got me thinking about the fact that Jesus sees everyone, right? Like in a room, we gravitate towards the person that's Mm -hmm. most notable or whatever. Uh, But man, and and maybe some of this is watching The Chosen as well (laughs) lately, like just the way they cast Jesus in that is perfect. Like just the goosebumps you get from watching him smile and show up. Even the story of the... um, the two women, the woman who's been suffering for 12 years yes. and, and the young woman, like uh, the, the young woman, the, the 12-year-old is a daughter of an important person. Yes. Yeah. And Jesus is on his way to help the daughter of an important person and along the way stops mm. to heal someone that should not have been there, someone who sh- had been outcast, someone had been overlooked and not paid attention to. And he's just constantly doing this. Mm. Yeah, and she's, she's acting inappropriately according to the culture. No. And yet Jesus is going to stop the bus where he's going to somebody important, yeah. you know, to the home of somebody who's important in order to heal his daughter. And he's going he's gonna to minister and do a miracle of healing for the woman who's right there. Well, one thought I had, Mike, when you were talking about your first surprise is uh, the people seem to be angry or scared or confused or amazed. Um, that's like a bodily response. Mm-hmm. And so I, want, I think for me, as I continue to grow in my faith, one of the things that helps me do that is to learn to pay attention, like it, how am I responding internally to what Jesus is up to? Mm-hmm. Is it making me angry or confused or scared? Yeah. And then, okay, God, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I, um, I noticed and talked about a little bit in my message last weekend in Genesis 3, which is where we always think of sin entering mm-hmm. the biblical account, mm-hmm. the, the writer of Genesis never uses the word sin. Mm-hmm. Instead, the writer of Genesis tells us how Adam and Eve felt right. when they ate the forbidden Ashamed. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so I think there's something like, don't just skip over how they felt yeah. when Jesus did or said things that were completely surprising to them. Pay attention to how you feel in mm-hmm. these moments, too, because that's, that's going to really be a helpful tool in moving you down the, the road to the life God has for you. I'd highly encourage all of our listeners, our watchers, those who are reading through scriptures here to do just that. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to how you feel. Journal that. R- write that out. That In doing so, it helps you process this. That's why we're starting these first 
two podcasts so far basically with the same question. What stands out? What surprises you? What, what, what's getting your attention? Pay attention to those things. A lot of times that's the Holy Spirit working through the living word yeah. of God in order to get us there. And talk to God about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next question. What's behind the growing conflict between <laughs> Jesus and the Pharisees? There were strong feelings there, <laughs> I think. It's pretty clear. I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's going on there. I think, you know, to put it very simply, right? His, their cheese is getting moved, mm. right? Uh, he is disrupting things. You talked about Jesus being bad for the pork industry in certain areas. Uh, I think for what they have, that's being taken from them. I think mm. things are beginning to change. It's disrupting what yeah. they had. Yeah, talk about tension in the room, which you yeah. said, you yeah. know, before. The, the tension is really starting to build and to grow. What do, you, what do you see there, Scott? A uh, uh, thought just popped in my head. Eli asked me, one of our staff members in Ankeny several years ago as we were preparing for a class or something, he said, when's the last time someone changed your mind? And you know, like at some level, I mean, think about our, our world. We don't ever want anyone to change our mind. We, we want to change other people's minds. And so he flipped that on its head a little bit. And I think... W- the Pharisees, Jesus is trying to change their minds and their hearts, and that's a very difficult thing for us to do. The, what they have always believed, the way they've always done it, he's saying, yeah. maybe you missed it a little bit. Yeah. And none of us want anyone to tell, it, tell us that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. But that's what Jesus is telling the Pharisees. Mm. I kind of wonder as I read about this, you can because you can feel the tension. Yeah. You, you can you can sense what you guys are talking about is is growing and building. I I wonder sometimes why is Jesus? I mean, it's not just the Pharisees being harsh with Jesus. His words are very blunt <laughs> back to them, uh, and they'll they'll continue to grow as as we get into our reading for next week and the week following, and the other gospels as well. But Matthew really hits these. And I think for part of the reason is because Matthew, let's remember, Matthew's a bit of an outsider for these folks. They wouldn't have included him. So he's, he's probably going to highlight these things that Jesus said that are very challenging against the Pharisees. But the Pharisees, they are a part of the religious establishment of Jesus' day. And part of what they do is, you can say, well, we're not just reading about history here because religious people have this temptation to do this anyway. Mm. We want to control people. Yeah. We it, it, when we Categorize. get it wrong. When we, yeah, put put them in put them in categories. Put it, label them, stereotype them. Not only that, but I think even deeper than that, when when religion goes from good to bad, it tries to control God. It mm. tries to control not just what other people are going to do and how they're going to behave morally and and what's okay and what isn't. But it's also trying to control God, and we start to reduce, if it's Christianity, we end up reducing Christianity to a series of formulas mm. uh, and phrases that might sound familiar. They, 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 you know, I, I pulled a couple of those out in some of the teaching I've done already so far this year. For, you know, phrases like age of accountability. Everyone assumes that's in the Bible. It's just not. It, it's just not there. Now, is there is there a point at which, of course, in child development, children grow up and they develop an ability to tell right from wrong morally, and that matures and grows? Of course. I'm not saying I'm against the philosophical idea of an age of accountability, but those who suggest that it's there and use that as a reason not to baptize younger children, you just can't bibli- – you can make that case traditionally. Yeah. You cannot make that case biblically in, in that way. Now, you can, you can make a stronger case for that in other ways, biblically, and, and we can get into that some other week. But, but my point is this, is the Pharisees represent – there's a lot of people who are listening right now who have had church hurt, mm-hmm. who, who've, had, who've had places where it's like, religion hurt me so much, and I have such a hard time separating that out from God. Yeah. Because if religion hurts me, isn't that God hurting me? No. <laughs> God's against bad religion, and it shows up here in these chapters of the Bible. Jesus is against bad religion, and he will not mince words. He will come strong against it. And it's not that he hates the Pharisees. Remember, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. We'll read about him later when we read through the Gospel of John in detail. Jesus has a heart for him. But the difference between what Jesus is teaching and what the Pharisees are teaching is the Pharisees are teaching a religion that controls, tries to control people and tries to control God. Jesus is teaching something that goes straight to the heart. And in that, there's going to be a clash. There's going to be tension in the room because of that. And I think that's what's behind it. Plus, the Pharisees, as you're alluding to, Scott, they have a lot to lose. I mean, they've got the power. They've got the control. They they can lose the power. 
all those things, their jobs, everything else along the way. I, I was going to add uh, to control oppress. As Matthew connects dots, he um, often will quote the Old Testament prophets, and and when you, I mean, we got Martin Luther King Jr. weekend coming up, mm-hmm. a modern day prophet who would quote the Old Testament prophets, yeah. and and often he would quote parts of the prophetic literature of Scripture that we like to avoid mm-hmm. uh, because it afflicts us in our comfort, mm-hmm. um, and so th- there was a system that the Pharisees were a part of and had been a part of for generations that gave them control, gave them power, but it also caused people that they were controlling to suffer. Right. And that ticks Jesus off. It does. Mm. It, in, and we so don't do this perfectly at Hope. I'm not suggesting that. But I want to say to anybody who's tuning into this and has church hurt, work through that Take your time, you know, get, yeah. get good people around you, but work through that. What a tragedy to lose God because of bad religion. Yeah. Um, and this is why it's, we, and we were talking about this before we went on the air, how good it is for us to be reading scripture uh, and, and, and the discipline of getting into it. And, you know, as teachers and preachers, we have to stay up on top of it. Yeah. And so that forces us into these texts, even if we're busy, we have to make time for it. And, I guess what I'm saying is Jesus is coming to say, here's what God's word really says. Here's what religious people sometimes make it sound like it says. Let's get back to what God's word really says, which is really at the heart of the whole Reformation movement, right, of, of, the, of the 16th century and beyond. And a part of that movement that we're still about is let's get back to the word because, and it's not because, you know, get back to the word the way we read it. I'm not interested in that. Let's get back to the word and let that read us and let that tell us who we are and who yeah. God is and, and how we're supposed to live out our religious lives or our whole lives. Yeah. So I think on that note, next question is, why did Jesus tell the Pharisees uh, to show mercy, not offer sacrifices? What does that mean? Yeah, that's from Hosea 6, six, which is, you know, you just talked about prophecies from the Old Testament and how MLK used to bring those into his teaching as, as a modern day prophet in the 1960s. Jesus brings that up twice in our chapters, Matthew 9, 13 and Matthew 12, 7. He says, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. What's he getting at there? What do you think? It reminds me, I mean, there's kind of some competing values there, right? And we already talked about who's feeling oppressed and who Jesus is advocating for. And, and honestly, as I think about it, it gets me thinking about even in my own household, even in my haste, sometimes I get focused on a goal or get focused on something I'm very passionate. And what surprised me this week, by the way, I even had moments of compassion for the Pharisees because yeah. aren't they doing the best they can with what they've got? Like, <laughs> it is their world that they're living in, and it's it, it might be off track from what God's designed, but I, and I think God looks at all of us with compassion, but it's so easy to get focused on what's in front of you the way it's always been done that they're just walking all over people. Uh, and I think, that's, I think that's what this is exactly saying. Mercy extended is only extended in the context of relationship, right? You, you have to be uh, with people. He's saying people are important, not the, not the to-do list. Now, they're equating sacrifices with their relationship with God, but I think for them, like their heart has been removed from yeah. that, right? And doesn't it always come back to the heart? Yeah, I mean, the, the worship revolved around the sacrificial system. And, right. and, and, and Jesus is saying, man, it, it's great if you show up for worship, but if it doesn't change the way you live your life, it's like yeah. the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the wise and foolish builders. Like if you, mm-hmm. you can hear everything that I say, but if you don't yeah. put it into practice and live your life on it, the, this foolishness and wisdom. And so part of what he's doing is he's calling the Pharisees, who everyone views as like the smartest people in the room, mm-hmm. he's calling them fools. Yeah, And that that... That hurts. That'll, that'll make but you angry. Is this terrifying to anybody else, though, that you can yes. do all the stuff, you can have the job in ministry even, right? I mean, those guys were in ministry like us, like, and you can still miss it. Totally humbling. And there's, <gasps> there's no doubt about it. In fact, you mentioned this just a minute ago, Andy. You kind of have a heart for the Pharisees. It's all they know because they're trained in that kind of worldview right. of let's pay more attention to our phrasing to, to the way we say it, to the, to the way we interpret it, to, to the way, Scott, as you're saying, to the way we live it out, to the way we apply it. Um, and then Jesus breaks that at, at the end of his Sermon on the Mount by saying, no, I want you to apply this teaching, mm-hmm. the, the Word of God, 
not the words of religious leaders. Uh, I desire, or I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, is, is again, Matthew's way of connecting some more dots and saying mm-hmm. Old Testament system, as you guys mm-hmm. are saying, is that it is sacrifice. New covenant, new, new teaching. Here comes God to turn it right side up. To tell you what the Old Testament is really getting at is that actually... God wants our hearts. That's going to come through in so many different ways. Yeah. Jesus is going to get really specific later and say, well, here's what you do. You go through the motions of religious stuff. And religious leaders, but religious followers can do that too. Yeah. We can just we can turn the whole thing into, uh, I, I, I check these boxes, I do these religious things, I, 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 I usher, I, I volunteer, I go to church when I can, I, 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 do the, I pray when I'm in trouble. You know, I, I do this stuff, so I must be okay, I think. Man, what, what you're missing is the best part. You're missing the heart, the party. One, one more thing that surprised me is when the Pharisees are complaining to Jesus. They say, why don't your disciples fast? Uh, why, why are you healing on the Sabbath? And Jesus basically responds to them saying, it's party time. It's time to celebrate. Um, you know, you don't put old wine and new wine skins. It's a new day. They're, they're a, a, new, a new word that is actually an old word in Matthew's saying that, but it's it's the old word that you missed, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna make it all new for you. I'm I'm the fulfillment of that law. I'm I'm more than Moses. I'm God showing up to tell you here's what would set you free. Yeah, you, you've got all this information, Pharisees, about yeah. how to yeah. do the temple worship and the sacrifices, and it's a ton of information. Um, but if it's not helping you do good, love like. Uh, when they question Jesus of breaking Sabbath law, and he says, he he responds by saying, "It's okay to do good things on the Sabbath." Like that's the whole mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. is is to love better. So, um, I I think a reminder to us as we're reading through the whole Holy Bible in a year, it's not to get our heads filled with information. Right. Mm. It's so that God will change us and we will be transformed and yep. we will live differently. Exactly. The subtitle of our theme is Read It, Learn It, Live It. Yeah. It isn't just read it. Mm-hmm. And it isn't just read it, learn it. Mm-hmm. We need to read it and learn it in order to live it. But the goal is to live it. The only way you get there is, is doing the things that we're doing. Letting God's word, man, immerse yourself in it. Go, go mm-hmm. all in. It's gonna, you're going to come out of that washing different than the way you came into it. You yeah. know, there, there's no doubt. For the Pharisees, it makes me think that's around here we say worship God, not tradition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of what we're talking about. That's exactly right. That's boy. That's 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 just dead on to what I think. And what there's Jesus a lot is at stake if you get that backwards. Right? Oh, sure. I mean, worship tradition, not God. Get, right. Yeah, that's right. that's gonna that's not gonna turn like, out the way you like want. Like I think to. of a mentor that used to tell me, you know, it's it's possible to grow old and never grow up. Right, mm-hmm. and you think about maturity and yeah. what does that look like? And maturity to me is more and more humility, honestly, mm-hmm. not yeah. Bible knowledge. But uh, there's just so much that God wants to do in us and through us that yeah. unless we're open to what He's trying to lead us into through His Word, we're going to miss it. And yeah. that's I get goosebumps. I get excited just thinking and talking to you guys about this because it's a reminder. Um, there's freedom on the other side. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. real hope. Out there, yeah, there, it's not the, just the afterlife. No, yeah, there's right. there's new life, like just right. It's you know what is it that scripture says? The word is near you. It's on your lips and mm-hmm. in your heart. Hopefully, it, hopefully we let it all the way in so that it transforms. It, it's not just a philosophy. It's a it's a treasure, as Jesus mm-hmm. says in one of the parables we're getting to. Yeah. Uh, next question: What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and why did Jesus say that this sin will never be forgiven? Nice light topic here. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. one gets asked a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. people worry about it. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, when I when I hear people talking about uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, where where I go is just this idea that our hearts can be hardened, and mm-hmm. when we get into the story of uh, Moses and Pharaoh. Every chapter is a, an example of uh, somebody's heart getting hardened. Jesus talks about it in uh, these parables that he's telling. Well, first, it's interesting what he starts to do in chapter 8 and 9 are these physical healings, but it's interesting almost all of them are connected with eyes being opened mm-hmm. or ears being opened so people mm-hmm. can see more clearly or, or hear better. And then he, he flips that to a more internal kind of healing where... Uh, spiritually, maybe we've not been seeing clearly or hearing clearly, and he's like, "I I can help with that." And mm-hmm. but 
you know, if we're paying attention to how we feel when we read the scriptures, and that might be a way that the Holy Spirit prompts us, when when we feel something but don't pay attention to it, yeah. it dulls our senses to the the work of the Spirit in us. If we if we say no and don't examine those promptings long enough over decades of our life, that it doesn't necessarily have to be this horrible, evil thing that we're doing. It's just this not paying attention to the right thing long enough, and all of a sudden I'm blind and I can't hear, and uh, I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me. Yeah. I do think the word uh, unforgivable is intimidating, uh, right? You don't see... I mean, isn't that kind of the foundation mm-hmm. of our faith? We see. Did you the f- see that spirited movie, um, the, the latest Christmas rendition of uh, <laughs> Scrooge? They, it, it, who is it? Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, and they have a booklet of, about one of the characters, and the cover of it is unredeemable. Yeah. Unredeemable. Yeah. Right, which is we understand Jesus' mission to come to bring forgiveness, to redeem, right? So it's like, ooh, I want to make sure I avoid whatever that was, right? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which, again, most of us probably need a little bit of translation on because we don't go around. You, you do every day, Scott. I know you're using <laughs> I tell that my word, kids but... to stop blaspheming me all the time. <laughs> uh, but, but that's I, forgivable. <laughs> but I'm really glad we're bringing it up because, again, in this section that we're reading this week, there are certain things that make you, at least me, just go, oh, boy, like that's a tough one. Like let's And just hard to hear or hard to think about. I just think it's good to put people at ease and say, right, if it's, if it's unplugging from God, if it's building mm. a wall between you and God, mm. if you're worried whether or not there's a wall between you and God, then that says you're interested in having a relationship with him, right? So if you're experiencing anxiety, like, did I do something to... And also this just reminds me on a couple different ways, another surprise, right? Like suffering and discomfort is part of the Christian life. Mm. Like that's, that's written into these chapters for sure. Uh, and it's, I think it's interesting to see how people do or do not interpret the pain that they experience well mm-hmm. in a biblical sense, right? So it'd be really easy to, to say, oh, this bad thing happened, and, and you just say, well, I guess I got to build the wall if God doesn't love me. Uh, it's easy to kind of get lured into that. And I think it's really important that we process all of this stuff in the context of relationship, even as we read it together. Yeah, I want to I want to just kind of piggyback on what you guys are saying and talk directly to people who are worried about this as, yeah. as, as you're mentioning. I don't want you to be worried. Um I think if you're worried about it it's a pretty good sign that yeah. you're not falling into this trap uh, or have any concern about it. And Jesus even gets at that. He says it's the people who um claim to know who don't know that yeah. are in the most dangerous place rather than those who are like, "Ah, I'm a little nervous that maybe I made a mistake." I had a confirmation kid, an eighth grader, ask me once, how do I know I haven't blasphemed against the Holy Spirit? I mean, I'm a little worried maybe I did, and I just went too far. This story really struck me reading it this time. Normally, I get asked that question like that eighth grade boy did. He said, well, what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Blasphemy is saying overly critical things in a spiritual way, religious way about God. Um, and Jesus even says, you can blaspheme me, you can blaspheme a lot of things, and you can. it's not okay, it's sin, yeah. but it's forgivable. But when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and specifically what has just happened mm. is he's healed a, a man, opened the eyes of a man who couldn't see, and the Pharisees are so intimidated by it or so threatened by it that they claim he must have the prince of darkness in him or... Or, or the nickname that they give to Satan or the devil, uh, Beelzebul in the original text. And so they, Jesus hears that and he's like, okay, too far. Mm-hmm. You, you went too far. You just blasphemed the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit in me who's healing this blind man. And by the way, isn't it amazing that Jesus seems to be able to heal everybody with just zero effort almost at all? He just, he's so filled with the Spirit that he's just like, hey, star, storm, calm down. Mm-hmm. Here I go walking on the water. Here I go feeding 5,000. Here I go healing the sick. Here I go casting out demons. And it, it's not like he's the superhero who has to strain in order to do it. It's just, boom, it happens because he's there. Uh, or the woman gets healed because she just touches his robe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's power. That's serious power. So Jesus is saying, how can you look at that kind of power and call it the devil? How, how can you look at the spirit that's in me who's healing? Which The spirit is God. So how can you look at this God that shows up and heals the sick and no. does these miracles? 
you've gone too far if you call that evil. You've mm. gone too far if you call the Holy Spirit the devil If you in this context, because what you're doing is you're cutting yourself off from the one thing that has the grace to save you. Yeah, exactly. So if, if you have a lifeboat and you choose to not get on it, well, you're condemned. You're right. not going to survive. You're not on the lifeboat. That's right. And so, but and if along the way you call the lifeboat evil, that's saving people, you know, for for new and eternal life. Of course, you're if you reject God's grace, you're rejecting the one way, the one hope we all have for experiencing the kingdom of heaven now and forever. So I I think the way Jesus says that is refreshing to say, just don't reject my amazing grace. Yeah. Uh, don't reject the good that the Holy Spirit's doing through me. That that makes me think of the times where Jesus seems to not do the miracles when he's in his hometown, yep. and mm-hmm. everyone's questioning him. Yep. He's just the carpenter's kid, mm-hmm. and we know his family. And he he's so. I'll throw this out as a question. We, we look at the DeMar Hamlin story from the Buffalo Bills last week and how many people were praying, and God heard and answered our prayers, and we celebrate and rejoice that. But even as I was talking about that last weekend, I'm looking over the congregation and seeing people mm-hmm. who prayed and prayed and prayed for a miracle that did sure. not come. Mm-hmm. So w- when Jesus says, your faith has made you well, uh, are we supposed to think that we don't have the right kind of faith if we don't mm-hmm. get made well? How, how do you pastorally approach that? I think, yeah, well, that's, that's a whole episode of a podcast. The short, the short version, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. The, the short version is, I, I think, and you guys can chime in if you want, um, you can answer your own question if you want, Scott, but I think the short version is something always good happens to us when we pray for healing. So it's something powerful, and the healing certainly will come at some point. And so to say it hasn't been answered, yeah, maybe it hasn't been answered the way I prayed for it and asked for it. Uh, I prayed for my dad to be healed from Parkinson's disease for 20-some years. It didn't happen the way I prayed for it to happen, but he's healed now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. That's one thing. But the other thing is, you know, Isaiah 55, uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. I see things you don't see. My kids growing up saw things and decisions I made as a father that they didn't understand or get and thought were just unsupportable how how on how could you do that to me well because it's your bedtime and if you don't sleep you're going to be a sick kid um you have to eat your vegetables they're good for you and 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 so uh god is our father that's the short version there's a whole hour conversation on this yeah i think it's the pray anyways was what's hitting me like prayer doesn't just lead to the healing prayer changes us yeah Mm -hmm. it just like read the bible i don't understand half of what i'm reading in here Read it anyway. I would add. God, God encounters me in that somehow. I would add, and I think this is important. We are praying to this one who does miracles there, and there is a connection, as uncomfortable as it makes us, and as much as we want to explain it away, there is a connection between what do we expect? Mm. Do when we pray. Luther always said, "Pray with confidence." And by the time you get to Amen, you assume it's already done uh, because God heard you. You didn't have to beg. You just you asked like a good father would uh, for his children. You're going to give them what they ask for. Yes, it gets tough. It gets challenging when when it doesn't seem to come through the way we want it to. Yeah. But uh, we are praying to a very powerful God and a God who took a guy who had a cardiac arrest and was laying on the turf in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and f- for all counts, he died for a while. Mm-hmm. His heart stopped beating uh, for however long it was, and he's alive today. And And... And in between him being dead on the turf and him being alive now, millions of prayers. Mm-hmm. Okay, we 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 got to look at that too. Yep. We we have to look at that too. So there, it's not us who did it; it's God who did it. Mm-hmm. But prayer is a powerful gift. Yeah. I don't think we should run away from it. Yeah. Um, how does our understanding of heaven change and grow upon reading Jesus's six consecutive parables about the kingdom of heaven? And we're getting 13. short on time, so shorter answers on this one, guys. <laughs> I think I think I I think I how's this for a nice confidence statement? I think I heard one time somebody say, uh, "No, I in doing some some research <laughs> on one of these texts, one of these parables, I, I feel like somebody told me that the mustard seed technically was considered a plant, uh, a weed, mm-hmm. and uh, and something that needed to be cultivated." And I just always found that to be interesting and surprising 
But I do think, and you see this in some of the other ones, the yeast comes to mind, the fact that the kingdom uh, will always be advancing. Like it does mm-hmm. grow, right? It shows up. As much as I want to get rid of all the weeds in my yard, I have not figured out the secret to that. So, uh, And I just think there's something about the kingdom being growing, moving uh, apart from us that, that is really powerful. Yeah, growing, moving, valuable. Like I don't know if you can even put a price tag on no. its worth. Um, there are uh, things trying to prevent it from happening, yeah. but it's still going to advance. Um, yeah, I, the the farmer who scatters the seed just like I'm throwing it everywhere, you know, and it doesn't seem to be well. Maybe that'll be a wasteful toss. No, I'm just going to do it. And there's something very freeing about uh, the way Jesus tells the stories, and it's it happens. A lot more naturally. Uh, yeah. it, it's not like a if I do it just right, then yeah. I can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I just am a part of what God yeah. is doing Maybe rather than yeah. yeah. I think there's uh, on that note. You know, we're created from the dust and the dirt and out of creation, and and Jesus is telling several stories here about things in the dirt hmm. that, that produce, that, that grow mustard seeds and seeds scattered on the ground and, uh, you know, um, uh, the weeds and every, everything else in this. So he's, he's getting kind of to the heart of who we are. But I think there's a whole nother level to these parables where Jesus says these, and he tells his disciples, we're like, well, why are you using parables? Why don't you just tell us? Why don't you just give us the recipe instead of telling us a story about what you're cooking? It's because what the story actually there's an art to it. There's a beauty to it. It's like music. If if somebody just says, "Well, here's all these notes, and here here's these scales, and this is what they mean," that's great. But now it's, an artist takes those notes and those scales and turns it into a masterpiece, uh, musical kind of movement. Mm-hmm. Now I'm inspired. Yeah. Mm. So those who would suggest that we should just reduce all Bible-based teaching to verse by verse, go through everything and bing, 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 bing. I'm all for it. That's easy. I, I'll do that all day. I love that. But there's an art to telling stories. Mm-hmm. And the stories Jesus is telling, he's saying, you know, basically for those who have ears to hear, you're going to hear this. If you get this, you're really going to get it now because I'm going to tell you stories. If you're rejecting me and you're not, you're not open to me, these stories are just going to bother you. They're, 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 they're going to mess with you. But there's an art to it. There's a beauty to it. There's a, there's, a, um, there's a peace to it on the other side in the same way that when we... And we're not just going to look at art in a museum here. Because, you know, one of the parables is the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. Wow. Well, what do you do with treasure? You don't just look at it. You don't look at a picture of it on a wall. Mm-hmm. You get to experience it. You, you get the blessing of it. You get the benefit of it. So... For Jesus to say that's what the kingdom of heaven is, and it, or this it's this pearl that you'd let go of everything else. Now, now I get it in yeah. a way that I'm not going to give you just like, well, here's heaven. This is where it is. Here's how it exists. These are, this is a step by step process you need to do to get there. He's, he's already told us you're going to get there through me, through a relationship with me, and he'll tell us, tell us that again and again. And so here comes the art of it. Here comes the beauty of it. Here comes the gift of it. Here comes the joy of it. So now it's it's an experience. Get to experience the treasure. Get to experience and get everything out of this pearl. Get, get to experience the relationship behind it instead of just a bunch of checklists of religious yeah. things we got to do. And that experience leads to completely opposite feelings yep. of not anger, not fear, but like overwhelmed with love, joy, peace, patience. I mean, the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. Wow. All right, we got to go deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna land this plane pretty quick because we've got about a minute or two. Yeah, deeper dive. Does Bible reading produce a harvest? Yes. And what if you? <laughs> <laughs> There's the quick answer. <laughs> what have you seen already at, at our campus? G- give us both one quick story about what you've seen Ankeny and Grimes so far because we're reading the Bible together. What's the benefit? I think there's just a general sense of connectedness. There's an enthusiasm. There's something about a, we all like love to entertain the idea of of New Year's resolutions or starting the year off right. And I think just I've already seen in conversations with people a very tangible reinforcement that this is the best way to go about starting your year off. Like That's it just good. feels good. The enthusiasm is yeah really surprise is the wrong word. It's great to see the enthusiasm. Yeah. It's great to see how into it. Uh, 
Pastor Jeremy said this. I don't know. I think it was at his sermon Sunday night or maybe it was at a meeting this week. He said to think that there are probably more people in the Des Moines area reading the Bible together than have ever done that before in this metropolitan area, in the history of this metropolitan area. It's a pretty powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Thousands and thousands of people in our community who are part of this church family are reading these texts together and diving in. Um, that's, That's cool. Yeah. We've had marriage classes before at Hope Ankeny, and you know, a handful of couples sign up for them each time. It's yep. awesome. Uh, we have over 90 people signed up for the marriage class that starts this Sunday, and I think it's because they're reading Genesis and freaked out that that yeah. could be the... No, no <laughs> just kidding. But they want to grow stronger in their relationship as husband and wife. They know it's going to impact uh, their families. It's going to impact their communities, and I, th- I think the reading of Scripture is inspiring people to get more. Yeah. We baptized 209 people this last weekend. I don't think that happens unless we're in the Word and, and we're deep in prayer. Uh, we saw 1,400 people come forward and renew their baptism, all our campuses together. Um, God is moving, and the Word goes out. It doesn't come back empty, right. God says through the prophet Isaiah. And so we are living that out. We're not just reading it and learning it. We're living it. Yeah. Emily, Powerful. what are you seeing? Yeah, I think about this, like we happen to work in a setting where people are reading their Bible, but just the power of reading the same thing at the same time and being able to not just talk about what we're learning, but what God's doing in how we're each receiving it. And it's this living thing that hits us all differently. And then you share that in community. It's building your relationship with each other and with God. Brilliant. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Andy. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Our goal is to always do these podcasts in a little bit under an hour. We'll keep doing them live, but we want to do them a little bit under an hour because, and we met our goal. It was close, but we met our goal <laughs> because if you're on a lunch break, it's Wednesday at noon and you're doing this live, we want to be able to get you in and out uh, in that hour or less. So thank you for tuning in, however you're doing it. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Uh, we'll be back into Matthew 15 through 22 or 1. 21. 21. Um, it's going to get even better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Uh, go to church, uh, a church near you. If you're out of town, if you're in the area and there's a Hope Campus near you, come and find us. We'd love to have you. Uh, come and see. It's uh, Man, it's good to be in the church together with you. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time.